Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Maintaining a healthy weight is an important part of our health. With September being Childhood Obesity Awareness Month, the popular question is, how do we know what weight is healthy for our children? How can parents know if their child is healthy? Is there a type of feeding strategy that helps children maintain a healthy weight that is right for them? How much does exercise play a role? Today we'll answer all of these questions and more. I'm Lindsay Senevic, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist and Family Nutrition Specialist, and this is Parent Savers Episode 72. Faster than a speeding toddler. Sit still for just a minute. Can soothe boo-boos with a gentle kiss. Did you get down from there? Able to clean poopy bottoms in a single swipe. Oh, what did you eat? Turning frazzled mommies and daddies into procreators of peace and harmony. Ah, quit touching me. It's Parent Savers, empowering new parents everywhere. Welcome back, everybody, once again to another episode of Parent Savers, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Parent Savers is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for parents of newborns, infants, and toddlers. I'm your host, John O'Reill, and thanks again to all of our loyal listeners who listen to us every week and submit great questions and comments via our Facebook and Twitter feeds and our social media channels. Our Parent Savers Club members get special bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. And for those of you uh, who may not know, we've also recently unlocked all of our archives. So now everyone, members and non-members alike, get access to every single Parent Savers episode ever released, as well as every Preggy Pals and Boob Group episode as well. So make sure to reach back in the archive and find the topic that's interesting to you and give us a listen. You can also subscribe to our monthly Parent Savers newsletter for a chance to win a membership to our club each month. And another way for you to stay connected, and you really, really should do this if you're a regular listener, is by downloading our free Parent Savers app, which is available in the Android and iTunes marketplace. That way you get the shows automatically when they are released, usually on Wednesdays. I'm joined in studio today by a few parents as well as our expert and of course the lovely producer Aaron. Hello. <laughs> um, so let's go around um, so we know who's having the conversation, um, so we know who's in the room. My name is Colin Reed. I'm 27 years old. I work in airline catering, and I have one son named Constantine. Nice. And Constantine's three? Three months. Three months. He's a little baby. <laughs> I thought you said three before. Oh, so man. Did I. I didn't yeah. realize it was three months. No wonder you're drinking that caffeinated beverage <laughs> 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 over there. <laughs> Nice. Nicole? Hi, my name is Nicole DeLine, and I do art design and architecture, and I have a three-year-old boy, right. Gavin. Nice. Oh, hey, yeah, I'm Erin Estevez, a producer, OG Mamacita. I have one little boy, um, 23 months, and growing fast. Nice. And Erin is manning our social media account, so use the hashtag ParentSaversVP on Twitter, or make sure to follow us on our Facebook page where we ask questions leading up to the shows so you can participate and maybe get your question read um, during our taping. And I'm your host, John O'Reill. I have three boys, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. So I think that brings the total to a zero-year-old, <laughs> two two-year-olds, <laughs> A uh, three-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old, and they're all boys in this room for the panelists oy, today. Oy, oy. Oh, wow. So hopefully some of our virtual panelists will give us the girl perspective as well. <laughs> um, and then Lindsay is our expert. 
Hi, I'm Lindsay. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist in San Diego. I own a practice where I work with families with child feeding uh, challenges, and I also consult for a Head Start agency uh, in, in the area. I'm really happy to be here. Nice. Well, thanks for joining us. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Before we start um, today's show, we're going to do a news headline segment. And this is where we look at uh, stories that were recently in the news that would be of interest to parents. Um, And today, we've got one um, called Which is Worse? Where this boy peed or the reaction that he's getting? (laughs) And so there's this picture, and we have it on our website. um, But it's basically of this might be a grandma, might be a mom, um, in a mall holding her son up on a trash can in the middle of the mall. Um, and he's peeing right in the trash can with his pants down. He's uh, probably about two years old, and it was snapped by someone with an iPhone camera. And this, so this is from Baby Center. Um, let's be honest. Potty training can be a nightmare. It's that in-between place where you've committed to the diaper, but your child hasn't quite mastered the art of holding it for more than five seconds. I can't even tell you how many times I've raced through the mall in a full-on sprint with a three-year-old who just said, I have to go pee in my arms. But one mom... Um, in British Columbia, skipped the mad dash and instead just held her toddler above the garbage can in the middle of the mall, pulling down his pants and letting him aim right into the trash. Somebody snapped the picture and then it was actually met with some outrage on groups like Reddit. Like, what the heck's going on with this kid? But what is your guys' reaction to seeing this kid peeing in the trash can? Well, I don't know about you guys, but I have traveled throughout Europe and Mexico in I think it's a cultural thing, you know, because you would be surprised at the positions and the the locations that I have seen parents allow their children to relieve themselves. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, she aimed for the trash can. Good job. <laughs> you know, no one's, no one's going to slip in it. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Right. I think there's no problem with it at all. Anybody who's making a problem is the problem. Well, right. <laughs> well I think said. That, I mean, I think, and, and I think that maybe a lot of the people that might have an issue with it haven't necessarily been through, Mm-hmm. Body training. Mm-hmm. But I mean, is that fair too? Like, so we're all on this side of it saying, oh, yeah, like, I know, like, my my kids have gone pee in some crazy mm-hmm. places. But, you know, is that right? Just because we've dealt with it that other people don't, you know, I people don't, don't necessarily want to see a little kid going pee in a trash can. Yeah, well, you know what? I don't want to see your pants that low either. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so there. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Yeah. So to the point. No, and I mean, I agree. And I mean, obviously, you know, if if there was time to get to the toilet, I think that that would have been the preferable um, avenue. But clearly there wasn't. And I don't think that this woman's going out of her way to find trash cans for her two-year-old <laughs> to pee in. <laughs> right. It was a better option than in his pants and on his shoes. And it's better than the fountain. I'm afraid that that occurred to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, to be honest, I think that there's probably some bush options in the mall that might have worked too. A plan. Oh, that was out loud. A rubber tree. Sorry about that. Um, All right. Anyway, check out this picture on our website. We'll make sure to post this to Facebook as well and uh, let us know what you think. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's topic on Parent Savers is how to help your child maintain a healthy weight. We're talking about this topic um, as part of... uh, Childhood Obesity Awareness Month, which is September, and so um, it's the middle of September now as this uh, this episode comes out. Today we're talking with Lindsay Stenevec, a registered dietitian who's also the owner of NutritionInstincts.com. She's going to give us some tips and insight about helping our ki- keep our kids fit and healthy. So thanks for joining us, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. So what is the current prevalence of childhood obesity in the United States? Well, I think we all at this point have heard a lot about childhood obesity. In the media, it's a very hot topic. We're hearing about it, you know, on the news. We're hearing about it online. And um, there are a lot of questions that come with it. And it is true that we've seen an increase um, in the number of children who are overweight and obese. And more specifically, um, we see in the age group of 6 to 11-year-olds, we've seen an increase from 1980 from about 7% to about 18%, and with adolescents from about 7% to about 18%. So there's definitely a, a change that we are seeing, and that bring, comes with a lot of questions about why is this, what are the causes, um, what do we need to be considering as adults um, yeah. You know, with this change. Well, what does it mean to be obese? What's the measurement there? That's a really good question. So right now, it's very common to use something called the body mass index mm-hmm. to evaluate someone's size. And when that was originally developed, it was developed to look at large portions of a population. So with the statistics I just gave you, they're looking at large amounts of people and they're assessing kind of percentages and looking at overall body type trends. For children... We look at it based on their growth charts, and we're going to maybe I can talk about that, yeah. you know, a little bit more in a minute. For children at the 95th percentile and above, they're considered in the obese category. Now, with that said, when we're working with just individual um, children as medical professionals and with their children as parents, we want to look at the child as a whole person, and that's just one piece of information that tells us one piece about possibly their health. And we want to consider them as a as a whole person and look at their health as a more from a more whole perspective. But a lot of times, the obese label is put on because an average of a large population is here. The mm-hmm. child is at this point on the graph, right? And so they're can, deemed obese. Exactly. Yeah. It's a way to look at, again, body type. It doesn't give us necessarily a ton of information or really any more information than that. And so, I mean, there's other things that could factor into the child being that weight, right? I mean, their height or just their overall, the way their body's built, right? Right. So height and weight are used in the body mass index equation or BMI. Um, And Lots of factors go into why we have the body types that we do. Genetics do play a very large role and um, predetermine how we're going to grow and carry our weight and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, other factors that a lot of researchers look into are things like environment, family dynamics, feeding dynamics, nutrition, exercise. Um, if the child, um, this is sometimes surprising for people to hear, but if the child has dieted, things like that. Oh, got it. Mm-hmm. 
well, how can then we as parents start to figure out what our child's healthy weight is? The the chart is one piece of the puzzle, right? Absolutely. So first and foremost, you want to talk with your doctor about that. So if you have concerns or you have questions, your doctor is a, a great resource in the starting place. Um, you know, the, usually doctors are talking about growth charts with parents from the very beginning. And what we really want to look for is consistency of growth. So really, it, mat- it matters more that we see a child continuing on a consistent growth trend, staying at a similar percentile, mm-hmm. and not bouncing around constantly. Um, and those are also good questions for your doctor of what they think based on the growth charts of how things are going. Um, and then furthermore, using um, where they are in the growth chart to also give them a little bit of information too. When we say it's an epidemic, it's interesting hearing the statistics um, at the beginning because one way to look at it is that, you know, one in five kids, I guess that's a lot to say that a one in five kids are obese, but it also means that four in five kids are not, um, you know, mm-hmm. flipping the statistics. But I guess it's the the growth that, you know, people are looking at. Do you have any theories as to what's going on as to why, you know, over the past however many years the obesity is increasing? That's such a popular question. <laughs> <laughs> and I it just, it's so multifactorial. It's not one thing. Right. Um so keeping that in mind, sometimes people will come out with saying, you know, it's nutrition that is the issue and what they're eating is the issue or yeah. it's exercise that is the issue, um, feeding dynamics that are the issue, but it really can be multifactorial. It depends on a little bit about where, you know, where that child lives, what the family life is like, what the feeding is like, um, what foods are available for them, um, how much opportunity they have to move just like an average kid would want to move. Um, um, I guess just thinking about it, I just the fact that it's such a uh, more fast-paced life for everyone now than it was even when we were kids. Uh, it's just what's easier, and people don't know about nutrition, getting fast food. I mean, I've been in a number of households uh, because of work. Seeing parents just giving their kids fast food, McDonald's, for, for their meal. And, um, I mean, that's bewildering to me. But... And that's a regular basis. I mean, I figure the fast-paced life, this is easy. I mean, that must be contributing. And the lack of exercise, kids staying in the house. Yeah, yeah. certainly convenience is absolutely a factor. We'll yeah. take, we we take our kids to McDonald's. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry to... No, I, I, I don't mean to be no, critical. No, right? that's okay. And it's funny because, you know, and I'm sorry to call them out specifically. I, was, I think it was last weekend. Um, Christina had to work. So I had all three boys. We had three boys, six, four, and two. And um, we had a pretty busy morning. I think we did a 5K, actually. Um, and then Christina had to go do something. And so I took the boys to McDonald's because um, there's, this, there's this great one here. It's got a great play place. And they love it. They go bananas for it. But it was funny because we invited a friend to come. And I ended up chatting up, like, another dad that was there. And everyone is like, yeah, I know. I can't believe that we're at this place. And we have the, right. everyone has the guilt about going there. Right, right, right. But we're all drawn to there. Uh, not all, but a lot of parents are drawn to there right. um, for some of for the convenience factors, and they do this like great playground. The kids played right. for like an hour and a half and and loved it. Well, we did grow up on it, and I mean, I, I mean, I know the menu, of course. I, mean, yeah, I yeah. had it too. It's just like we know more now, and I think it doesn't hurt if it's a little bit. But if it's if this is all they're right. getting, you know, you wake up and give this for breakfast, and that's what they're gonna, you know, spend mm-hmm. the day on. Well, also, I think, you know, we have this kind of like idealized 
remembrance of our childhood. Mm -hmm. And while there may not have been fast food the way we see it today on our tables, Mm -hmm. there were other fast food options that were very frequent Mm-hmm. As well, you know, it's, you know, Hungry Man or how many TV dinners did you not eat as a kid? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think that there's just a different um, spam. We had some spam. Yeah, spam. Woo, oh, baby, salt <laughs> on a stick. <laughs> but you know what? I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, but I mean, it's, yeah, it's the reality. When you when you use the word convenience and you, you justify it with a play place that, I mean, use the word epidemic earlier, right? Mm-hmm. An epidemic to me is not something that's based so much on responsibility and choice in a parent. You use rationalizations as to why you go to McDonald's. Maybe you do it once a month or once every two months. There's parents who do it three times a day, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand. I guess in my mind, I don't see how we can call something like that an epidemic when it is predicated so heavily on the choice of a parent who rationalizes it using words like convenience. Well, I think it's important to remember that parents are under a lot of stress. There are a lot of expectations for parents and a lot of expectations when it comes to raising kids, I think. At least that's what I experience when I work with families. And taking a child to McDonald's doesn't automatically mean that you're doing something horrible as a parent. It's not It's not that simple when it comes when we're talking about maintaining a healthy weight. I mean, um, Going to McDonald's doesn't automatically mean that child's going to struggle with their weight or that it's going to have an adverse effect on their weight. It doesn't always come down to what they're eating. Um, It comes down to eating as a family and being together and having a positive experience around food. Um, That can demonstrate balance and decrease shame around food. And also you want to decrease that guilt that parents feel when once in a while maybe that's what's going to work for their family. Mm -hmm. That's different than a family that is turning to fast food multiple times a week, yeah, that's a problem from a nutritional standpoint, but even more so as a medical professional, I'm looking at that and saying, oh, wow, you must be really having a hard time just with feeding in general, with um, maybe there's a financial issue going on, maybe there's um, a confidence issue with um, cooking in the kitchen Mm. and feeling confident with making meals for your family. Like, let's look at kind of what's causing that feeling that you need to turn to outside sources for food on a regular, consistent basis versus feeling confident and comfortable making food at home. Um, And that might be, you know, there might be things that we work on, you know, as a dietitian, and I might even refer them out to other professionals. I think that that leads to my thought on that. A lot of the issues can be solved with planning. And a lot Mm -hmm. of parents don't know how to plan this stuff out. I mean, you know, a lot of parents, we have fed ourselves pretty poorly (laughs) you know since college or on our own so I think in finding resources is really important and being able to reach out to somebody like you to look at how how are we creating this food structure in our household yes and I'm so glad you brought up the word structure and that is huge for kids as I'm sure as parents you all know in other areas you know Um, especially, but with feeding structure is so important. Kids need to know that they're going to get regular meals and snacks at somewhat regular times on a daily basis Um, with food insecure situations. For example, when kids aren't getting that consistent meal offered, or maybe they are running to fast food at random times, like we're going to get food at some point, honey, but Mm -hmm. I don't know when. We start to see some um, eating issues going on for that child. The second they get in front of that food, whatever type of food it is, they feel an urgency um, sometimes to eat 
to a point of feeling very, very full. Um, because wouldn't we all do that if mm-hmm. we didn't know for sure when we were going to be able to have food next? If we were relying on someone else to offer that food, we might, you know, take matters into our own hands and do what we can to avoid feeling overly hungry. And that can happen in lots of family dynamic situations. I think this is a good point to take a quick break. We'll get into a little more. um, Let's keep talking about these specifics because I think this is what the crux of the issue is. Like, all right, we know that we want to keep our kids healthy. So what are ways to help us make more positive choices and go to the play place less potentially? (laughs) Um, So we'll talk about feeding and also exercise and some of the other good and bad foods after a quick break. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, everybody. Today we are talking about helping your child maintain a healthy weight with Lindsay Stenovic, a registered dietitian. Registered? Yep. Is that right? Okay, mm-hmm. sir. Um, so let's talk about more about feeding. We were just talking right before the break about structure. Um, so let's. Uh, um, what is like a good structure for kids? Um, what would be a good routine? How many? How do we build snacks into that routine? And Great what would question. be times for meals? Great question. Well, I think it would make sense to start um, with something called the division of responsibility. And this was something that's kind of originally developed by a woman named Ellen Satter, a therapist and a dietitian, and she's. Um, we've since researched the topic and there's books out there about it and it's um, parents are responsible for what they're feeding their children when they're feeding their children and where they're feeding their children and then children get the responsibility of how much they're going to eat and whether or not they're going to eat and that can feel really scary for parents sometimes because they might think what do you mean my child gets to determine how much you know he or she is going to eat what if she just eats to no end, you know, that can sometimes be the first question that I get when we start talking about that. Um, In terms of structure and the way that structure is very important for the division of responsibility. So feeding um, every few hours or so, and you want to, you know, you're as a parent, you're the expert in your child. So you want to keep that in mind too. But the idea of that is to allow children to get to a meal or snack mildly hungry, not starving, and also not full. And so with that, we also kind of discourage to the best of your ability as a parent to not have the child graze constantly in between mm-hmm. because it can disrupt you know, their appetite in But between. if they're given a choice, they would do that, I feel like. At, yeah. least, at least one of our kids yeah. would, I know. <laughs> yeah, I do hear that from parents yeah. quite a bit. Um, and as long as they are coming to mealtimes, um, getting the choice of how much and whether or not they're going to eat, eventually, you know, we want children to be able to use their hunger and fullness cues. We're all born with the innate ability to self-regulate our eating. And that's Mm -hmm. very clear, I think, for parents when their children are infants. But I think it becomes less um, comfortable for them to, to kind of trust their child as the child grows right. because there are there is so much pressure. There's constant talk about the childhood obesity epidemic. And so parents very naturally think, well, that must mean I need to control how much my child's eating. That must mean I need to monitor very closely. But what we see is when parents do do that, um, it can actually lead to an increase in weight for that child. They start to feel very um, disconnected from their hunger and fullness cues. Um, so that's, that's yeah. a really important piece. 
it's interesting because some sometimes I feel like the struggle isn't that I'm worried that my kids are going to eat too much. It's that they're not eating enough. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how they're getting enough energy to do all the other crazy stuff they do um, when they're eating like three bites of their food. Very good question. Actually, there's a study in 2007 that, you know, you're not alone because it looked at um, parent feeding strategies mm-hmm. and about 85% of parents um, still require their kids to finish everything on their plate, kind of in that clean the plate club. And actually, Marianne Jacobson just wrote a great article on this in the New York Times. I know she was an right. expert you had on previously. So you're not alone. Um, again, what we do see when children are told this is how much you get and you need to eat 100% of that, they begin to get the message that what their body's telling them is less important than what someone else is telling them. And they adore their parents. They love their parents. So, of course, they're not going to question that idea, right? Right. And it's coming from the best of intentions from that parent as well. We don't want to create more shame for a parent around the process of feeding. Um, But again, what we do see is a decrease in that familiarity with hunger and fullness, which can throw off um, a child's natural weight. One of the interesting things, though, I thought was that coming out on Marianne's article, and we had her in, and they actually had her on Good Morning America, mm-hmm. but they actually kind of characterized her ideas as outlandish. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a, in a way, they weren't really that fair to her. Not at all. And I think it's really interesting that that's the public that there's a public backlash against this notion. They misunderstood her, what she was, you know, discussing yeah. quite a bit. It was pretty frustrating for professionals in the field <laughs> and for her, I think, to watch that. Right. Um, because they took it as she was saying, let your children eat whatever they want, how much they want, basically whenever they want. And that's definitely not what she's saying. She's yeah. using division of responsibility. They use that in fearless feeding as well, where again, as parents, you have that responsibility of choosing what. You may ask a child, do you want X or Y today? But ultimately, it is your decision as to what you're feeding them. And again, that timing piece, the when piece, is also your responsibility and a really important part of that responsibility to provide that structure and consistency with the feeding um environment and then also where so yeah once in a while might be at mcdonald's and it might be as a family but you know also choosing to eat at home as a family as well when when able you know john my husband has the same issue that you do because he he wants to keep feeding cash and cash will say done Mm -hmm. done and he'll want to keep feeding him and this is my philosophy on it i have very specific feeding times you have breakfast you have lunch there's a snack and then there's dinner. There's nothing in between. If you choose not, and yeah, he's not even two, but if he chooses not to eat any more of his lunch, so be it. I don't think that him knowing what hunger is, is necessarily a bad thing. If he shows signs of hunger, then I just give him more water. You know, have a drink, move around, distract him, do something. And then, you know, lunch is coming or snack is coming, but you have to wait. And I do that because in my household growing up, food was an entertainment, food was love, and obviously I am not going to starve to death quickly. (laughs) (laughs) I am famine proof, Uh, (laughs) but I don't don't want that to be an issue for my son. So as far as I'm concerned, hunger is good. He's going to eat that spinach because he's hungry. Yeah, that, I mean, 
that certainly is interesting, and I find too. And obviously, we all I think we all have control issues, and we all have food issues, like to some extent. And it's how we're dealing with them. Um, but our kids definitely eat better when they're hungry, um, and they'll eat. I don't know if they would eat spinach, but they'll uh, <laughs> they'll eat. But yeah, maybe if he was hungry, well, Cash would. Will, would rather spinach than. Mc, um, chicken McNuggets. Nice. That's He'll actually too. turn those away. Yeah. Gavin won't eat a McNugget. I, and yeah. I have offered it to him. I have actually taken him to McDonald's. <laughs> just to be fair. I, I just don't Come clean. Nicole. Yeah, Come yeah, clean. yeah. <laughs> you well, can only get the French What fries. do you do for healthy snacks? What are some of the things that Gavin likes? So cucumbers want? with a little lemon and olive oil or even plain. Uh, avocados, snap peas, carrots. Carrots. He likes those cooked a little bit more edamame uh banana chips like i try and get the healthiest things i don't completely tell him he's not allowed to have candy i get dark chocolate that's my favorite but um no so i never make it an issue when he does want a sweet i never make it an issue i give it to him but i just make sure he's got a lot of other vegetables and healthy stuff because i don't want to um you know, turn him into someone who's hiding candy in the closet. But one of the first decisions I made about his nutrition was I was never going to force him to eat like the whole meal. I just wasn't because I know, yeah, when you're full, you're full. And I'm glad that he's aware of when he's full. And um, I sometimes I might, you know, be like, oh, you want one more bite? Because I feel like he's still hungry. And in he is, he'll take one more or two more bites. But when he's done, he's done. He definitely used to be much more of a grazer. I mean, he is still kind of, but what I started doing, because I noticed he just didn't eat his meal, because I'll do breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, and he barely, he have two bites of his meal. Dinner, especially, just two bites. I'm like, no, I want you to have a, f- you know, a full rounded meal. But so what I started doing is just cutting out the snacks when it gets closer to the meal. But um, I definitely have snacks available during the day and I feel like if it's cucumbers and and he's on peppers right now he likes bell peppers and hummus nice um and and the other thing about that is he's he's a really good vegetable eater but it it could just be his taste buds I ate a ton of different stuff when I was pregnant um but he I I feel like it's what you make available to them Mm -hmm. when they're little that's what he knows uh, he does prefer fruit and and healthy stuff over the nuggets and the candy because that's what he was given. I mean, for sweets, it's raspberries and blueberries, and he feels like that's a treat for him. Or um, sometimes, you know, when he's asking me for pink yogurt because he's gotten it somewhere else, like a really mm-hmm. sugary f- fruit yogurt, I'll take some frozen fruit and mix it with the plain right. yogurt or the yeah. vanilla yogurt, just so I know it's a little low, lower in sugar and it's actually fresh fruit. And then he's happy that Control he has his pink yeah. yogurt. So I don't deny him things. Um, I mean, there are times mm. when I'll say, oh, how could you want to eat that? That's so gross. But, you know, just tease, <laughs> teasing him. That's what my father used to do to me, I guess. But right. <laughs> I try and keep it balanced. <laughs> what about drinks? Um you know, I think, I mean, I think there's obvious red flag drinks that, you know, and that might be another thing that contributes to obesity. I mean, we had, a, I remember going out to dinner with some friends and I think that he was like not even two years old or around two years old. And the dad ordered a Diet Coke for him. And even like, you know, I, I, I can be pretty lax on like, you know, like I said, we go to McDonald's or whatever, but like, it's a treat. when we were like, wow, like that's pretty young that's to like be introducing like that or straight synthetic um sugars but um you know aside from that um you know we have one of our kids that loves drinking milk like 
is that an okay thing? Is there a limit or, you know, what are some good drinks or is it just push water on them constantly and does water have other benefits in keeping them healthy too? Well, water is certainly an important beverage to have around and available to kids and adults, you know, throughout the day. Um, there aren't necessarily very specific recommendations for fluids for, you know, for the day for a child, but young children need at least about a liter per day. Um, in terms of, you know, some of the sugary drinks, you know, not having those around right. often is is helpful for their nutrition and helpful for them regulating their hunger and fullness as well. Um, and when it comes to milk, offering that with mealtimes or as part of a snack is great. Uh, when we see a lot of issues with milk is when, say, young kids are still walking around throughout the day drinking milk kind of in between meals and snacks. And we're seeing issues with cavities when it comes to that. We're seeing issues with, um, you know, just consuming that on a regular basis and it disrupting their, disrupting their appetite. And it can also lead to uh, iron issues for the child. So too much, yeah, too much milk um, can affect iron issues I'm because of the calcium. telling you, I want to do an episode on milk because I think that mm-hmm. milk, that they've done a very good job of making people feel like they need, you need to drink milk constantly mm-hmm. and it's an awesome thing. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, Nicole know, shaking her head. Potential things going <laughs> afterwards. I think well, that can be, be a great sure, it can so. be a great nutritional source for children, especially when they yeah. are learning to kind of get familiar with different types of foods and they're progressing in terms of what fruits and veggies taste good to them and what meats taste good to get them and things like that. It's a great, acceptable and taste-wise source um, of great nutrients. But again, anything in excess can end up being right. an issue. Like so. even too much fruit. Right, mm-hmm, can be sure. like you think. Oh, fruit, great thing, but it's possible to have too much fruit, right? Well, it's possible to have too much of any food, really. Carrots, yeah. carrot cake, fruit, you know, <laughs> strawberry shortcake, whatever. <laughs> right. It is possible, and then remembering that division of responsibility um, and doing that structural feeding pattern mm-hmm. um, and low pressure feeding environment, like you were referencing. Mm-hmm. Um, really allows children with whatever they're being offered to really regulate their intake. So if you've ever noticed a child um, take a bite of an apple and put it down and say, I'm done, or take a bite of a birthday cake and say, oh, I think I'm done, I'm going to go play now, they're very much more in tune with their bodies and kind of how they feel and what they need more so than adults a lot of the time. Um, yeah. I want to cover off on exercise a bit too. So we can wrap up any other um, tips you might have or specific tips, but also, you know, let's talk a little bit about the role. I know you're not, that's not exactly your professional role, but I think that's probably part of a little bit of what you do. Absolutely. So what are some, you know, guidelines for exercise and maybe creative ways to help kids exercise as well, as well as maybe if you have any other tips on nutrition, you'll still want to add as we wrap up the conversation. Well, children are designed to move, and so are adults. As humans, we are just, like I said, designed to move. Mm -hmm. Um, The kind of minute recommendation out there is to at least get an hour of play a day. I think probably the most important part of that is play. Some because adults are used to going to the gym for their movement. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they'll think, well, maybe I need to take take my child to the gym if they haven't taken up any sports yet or anything like that. And I guess for some children, to a certain extent. It might be okay depending on their age, but really we're always talking about fun and enjoyable movement, Um, and that goes for adults too, and role modeling. So instead of saying, you know, hey, Susie, you need to make sure you go out and play for an hour, kids don't necessarily, they might not respond to that. They might be doing it just to please you, but maybe saying, let's go to the park, let's play around, let's take the ball out to the court and, you know, doing something fun um, or giving them opportunities with friends to to play or also when they're old enough, enrolling them in different sports um, 
because that yeah. can uh, increase their self-esteem and confidence with moving their body. Too. Even just like a walk around the neighborhood saying, let's oh, go yeah. look for the colors of the rainbow around the neighborhood. Absolutely. And, I know, love that. It's engaging them and getting in the move. I think that um, for my son, when I when he does want to stay in the house and not go out, I mean, he usually is pretty active, but recently he's gotten addicted to the iPad and mm. YouTube. it's ridiculous but and I'm like oh no he'll he'll say to me no mama I want to stay in the house I'm like no so what I really realize is I need to do it with them period Mm -hmm. so uh, just having the patience of of putting my stuff aside and okay we're going yeah so basically I have to do it with him and he's perfectly happy to do it then I mean it's one of those things that once you get them out and in nature Mm -hmm. outside moving around they're totally happy Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. if they have a choice between you know holding on to the ipad or hey let's go do anything else in the world even if it's the awesomest thing ever a lot they might even they're so tied into what they're doing doing at the moment i mean it's Mm -hmm. misdirection and distraction a lot for toddlers and then once they're in it they're right and i for me getting cash is active it's all very self-serving because the child sleeps so well (laughs) he will sleep for hours straight through the night which is what i need desperately so it you know let's go for a swim and we just get him exhausted Mm -hmm. so it's completely self-serving right 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 (laughs) i admit it the the technology thing you bring up is interesting too because we never had those things when i was a kid Mm -hmm. you know we didn't have iphones and ipads and what what comes to mind is how how culture interacts with the propensity for obesity mm-hmm. and the reason i bring mm-hmm, that up mm-hmm. the reason i bring that up is because my wife is from eastern europe a former soviet state where oftentimes what you ate then was based on what your family could produce mm-hmm. and where you went was based on how quickly you could walk there and so the culture that i live in let me hide my love handles is um <laughs> very much based on that idea we go out to eat we indulge Mm -hmm. but her culture of thriftiness and and that sort of thing has really just permeated the entire household and i often wonder how i I mean in america we have these notions of obesity but how that interacts based on the culture of the house absolutely environment um culture definitely play a role and probably one thing to mention even though we're talking about maintaining a healthy weight really the more important thing is maintaining our health we want to always bring it back to health um and what kind of lifestyle is going to be most conducive to a healthy, you know, existence for our children and for us? Because everybody comes in a different shape and size, and we want to respect that, too. All right. Any other points that we didn't cover off on that you want to make sure to get across about helping kids maintain a healthy weight? Well, I think one thing I want to make sure that, that I mention is that for parents, if you feel that you're struggling with your own relationship with food or just the importance of being aware of your own interaction with food is is an important piece. And there's a chapter on that in Fearless Feeding. Ellen Satter has a book that touches on that called Secrets of Feeding a Healthy Family. There are blogs about that, but that's an important piece because we know that that does affect our feeding and similar to what you're talking about in terms of how you were raised affects your feeding, which then can affect your child's eating. Um, And to also help our children in general love their bodies no matter what size they are. Um, they're getting a lot of really serious messaging when it comes to different body types, and right. it's starting to create something called weight stigma, or that's really been around for a long time. Um, and what we're seeing is that children who are larger, when they get that message, they feel bad. They feel like they're trying to be eliminated. There's a war against people who look like them, basically. That's kind of how they're taking it. And we want to make sure that we're just teaching our kids to love their bodies, 
regardless of their size um, or, or anything else that may or may not make them different um, because they're going to take the best care of their bodies when they love their bodies and they feel good about themselves and they have uh, high self-esteem. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Lindsay, and thanks to everyone in the studio, and thanks to everyone for listening as well. For more information about helping your child maintain a healthy weight, you can, uh, or for any of our panelists, or for Lindsay, you can visit the episode page on our website. We've also got a link to nutritioninstincts.com there. Um, this conversation is going to continue for members of our Parent Savers Club with our bonus content. After the show, we're going to talk a little bit more about the height and weight ratios. We touched on them a little bit, but a little more about how they're developed and where they came from. Um, for more information about the Parent Savers Club, visit our website, parentsavers.com. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. This is Sunny. I'm one of the producers on Parent Savers. And today we have a special interview for you. Exa Higgins is joining me, and she is the founder of MommyCon. Now, if you haven't heard of MommyCon, you have to check this out. This is a in-person conference. It's totally blowing up online. There are moms and dads going to this conference from all over the country. They've got lots of different locations. And the focus of it is on natural and organic parenting. So, Exa, tell us a little bit more about MommyCon and why you started it. Yeah, so MommyCon is a day of education, inspiration, and community building uh, that we bring to cities across the United States. Uh, one of our upcoming events is going to be in Los Angeles, California on October 6th. And we're actually looking to set the baby-wearing world record at the event with over 1,500 uh, parents in attendance all wearing their babies. Okay. So you mentioned the LA event. And this is this is a pretty big event for you guys because is it one of the largest venues you guys have been at in the past? It is, yes. You know, we're really hoping to set this record with 1,500 plus people in attendance. Um, you know, our last event in Philadelphia had over 500 people at it. And they just keep kind of getting bigger and, you know, better. We love sharing all the knowledge that we've learned as parents and bringing our experts you know, to the events to then speak on everything from birth to breastfeeding to baby wearing, cloth diapering, car seat safety, and everything in between. So it's definitely going to be big in L.A. Yeah, well, we're excited for it because I know that we're going to go out to that event as well. And if our listeners want to participate, want to get involved with the L.A. event, how can they do that? Yeah, they can find us on Facebook. We're MommyCon, MommyCon USA, if you need to type it into your browser. Um, and then our website is mommy-con.com. Yeah, and the tickets are really reasonable. This isn't <laughs> something, you know, as far as the price is concerned, it's not something that's going to, you know, you got to choose between diapers or going to the conference. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and we even have a free option. So if parents just want to come out and attend the event, um, set the world record, it's absolutely free. Otherwise, we have general admission starting at $25. That's great. And I know um, that all of our listeners are from Southern California. So um, you do have these conferences in other cities. So how can people learn about those other opportunities? Yeah, visit our website, type MommyCon, M-O-M-M-Y-C-O-N into Google. Visit our website at mommy-con.com. Go on, find our community on Facebook as over 18,000 moms all coming together across the country. We, we're going to Portland in a couple weeks, Philadelphia. Um, 
LA, Kansas City, Chicago, Austin, and everywhere in between. Love it. Love it. Okay. But if you are located in the Southern California area and you want to win two free tickets to the LA event, you can do that. We are actually doing a raffle copter giveaway with Mommy Con. And all you need to do is go to our show website, go under the episode section, go down to giveaways, and you can enter right there. So, Exa, thank you so much for being part of our show today. Thank you. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Parent Savers. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Preggy Pals for Expecting Parents, Boob Group for Moms Who Breastfeeds, and Twin Talks for Parents of Twins or Soon-to-Be Parents of Twins. Next week, we're going to be talking about single parents and the realities of single parenthood. It's going to be an interesting conversation. Some of the folks, some of our panelists in the studio will be joining us as well. So please join us next week for that. This is Parent Savers, Empowering New Parents. This has been a new Mommy Media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of new Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.